you have a Bible, you can go with me to John, 1 John, pardon me, 1 John chapter 4, we'll start in verse 7. Uh, I'll pray for us and we'll dig in. Uh, King Jesus, I just pray for us right now. Uh, Lord, I pray that the, that the stuff that we do around Christmas wouldn't distract us from who you are, and at the same time, the stuff that we do around Christmas would uh, open up our, our minds and our hearts and light us up for who you are, that we don't have to be sort of Christian bah humbugs um, uh, who, who have to correct every little detail about Christmas, but that everything we do would be a celebration of your incarnation, the celebration of your death, burial, and resurrection, a celebration that you were promised before the foundations of the earth to come and save us from ourselves, and a celebration that we know that you're coming back again. Help us to remember that every big, giant, blow-up, snow globe, or other, other thing is really uh, for us to point our hearts to you, and I pray you would help us to do that, Holy Spirit, and that we would worship you well today, Lord. Um, God, we pray these things uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, so we're in John, chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 7. Uh, I think it is interesting to look at the reality of the significance of historical events. We live in a time and a place where we are at least a little bit interested and concerned uh, in inane and unimportant things, uh, and yet today we're going to look at the most important things. Uh, we spent a lot of time on TV keeping up. I, I'm always surprised that the news reports things that happen on reality TV. It's not enough that reality TV is on the TV, but that CNN needs to inform us what happened on reality TV in case you missed reality TV because you're busy uh, in reality uh, and not watching reality TV. Um, however, Today we're talking about the birth of Jesus because it's Christmas and that's what we do. I think it is interesting that all of human history uh, is framed. Now, mind you, we probably get the exact date of his birth wrong, or at least the guy who sets up the calendar. But the reality is we still hinge all of his human history, B.C. and A.D., right? Before Christ and in the year of our Lord. Uh, my first year in college was at Evergreen State University, where they are university. It is a college, not a university, um, where they are very insistent, at least they were in 1999 when I was there, very insistent that you do not put A.D. in a paper. It is C.E. It is the common era. It's the B.C.E., before the common era, and the C.E., the common era, because it's not about Jesus, and yet they didn't actually change the calendar. It's still hinging around about when Jesus is born as this massively significant event in human history. And today as we turn to 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, we're going to look at the implications of the incarnation, or at least some of the many, 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 many implications of the incarnation. We're going to look at some of the implications of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And remember, these things happen because it's Christmas, right? My kids love to ask that question. There's several Christmas songs that say that Jesus was born on Christmas Day. And the children want to know, how is it that we know that Jesus was born on December 25th? And we have to say, well, he's probably born in the spring, but it's not the point. The, the point is when it says Christmas Day, it means when he's born. His birth and the, and the vast significance of it. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to read our text. And then we'll, we'll unpack it and then we'll look at some things we can draw from it. So 1 John chapter 4 starting in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in this is love. Not that we loved 
him. But not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. It's a hard text because I feel like really what I should do now here is say, thank you, good night, let's bring Conrad out and let's sing to Jesus because he's so awesome. But we will unpack it just a little bit. So we'll start in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. There's a significance to the love that the Bible is talking about here. There's a kind of love that it's speaking of that only comes when someone knows God. When someone knows who God is in the person of Jesus, as we'll see. We'll unpack. There's a kind of love and a caliber of love. Now, this is, this is not to say that someone who doesn't know Jesus has never been loving or had some kind of love. But this is a love of a caliber that only comes when you understand that God himself in the person of Jesus Christ entered into human history to save you from yourself in every state that you are in apart from Him, every peace and state of imperfection apart from Him, that He stooped down to get you who were not worthy of getting gotten, but in His grace and mercy, not because you loved Him, not because you were awesome, not because you are great, but because Jesus is great, because God is great, sent His Son to redeem you and showed love and grace and mercy to you and me, even though, to be totally honest, wasn't all that lovable, wasn't all that great. And so the way we respond to the amazing and mighty love which God has for us is an others-centered, taking cuts to the back of the line, putting other people and God, of course, first, that flows from the freedom that we have in Jesus and even a new heart that in the freedom we experience in that great forgiveness is not just, well, I should really take cuts to the back of the line. I should really help people out. I should really get some diapers for family works. We should really stuff some stockings because we're religious people and that's what we're supposed to do so everyone will know that we're religious. But that I can't help. I can't help but love and I can't help but serve and I can't help but put other people first. Because for some reason, the God of the universe came and saved me from myself. And he'll unpack this love for us uh, greater. And in fact, he's going to say, First uh, John's full of this kind of language. Whoever loves God has been born of God and knows God. Uh, again, don't see it that because I love, I'll be born of God and know God. But because I flip it around, right? So because I've been born of God and because I know God, that's why I love. That's why I love. And in fact, he's going to say, uh, has been born of God, knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. I think what John's getting after here is that for you to look at the cross of Jesus Christ, for you to look at the incarnation of Jesus Christ and be unloving to other people means you've merely received the data. You have not known God. You have not known what he has done on your behalf because you cannot look at the cross and you cannot look at the incarnation and you cannot look at the resurrection and be unloving to other people. Uh, First John's going to say it all day long. He's going to say, the one who says he loves God, in fact, it's not like, quote, 
I love God in the, in the language, I love God, and yet hates his brother is a liar. You can't say, I love God, and then be mean to everybody else all the time. He's actually going to say, you're a liar in that case, because the penetrating love of God changes us and transforms us and frees us to love other people. Not so that God will love us, but because God has loved us. And he states this simple fact, because God is love. Now, this, isn't, uh, uh, this doesn't go both ways, right? It's not love is God. It's not paganism. Love is God. It's God is love, that, that, that it's so, uh, a substantial, such a substantial part of his character and who he is that John can say God is love. You want to know about God? God is love. What's God up to? Love. That's what he's up to. Now hear this. Here's our Christmas verse. Here's why we're here. Verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, revealed, made known. The, the love of God was made known among who? Among us. Here on planet Earth who love him. How? He answers the question. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And you might say to yourself, oh, I thought we were sons and daughters of God. I thought that's what the Bible said. We're sons of God. What do you mean his only son? Maybe that's a question you don't ever think about. This word only is a powerful word. It means unique, special, firstborn, set apart. So as much as through Jesus and his life, you and I can be called the children of God, this, this is God's son, Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, Jesus, God himself who was sent. Why? So you and I could live through him. The origin, the place, the location of our Christian life is not how smart you are, how good you are, how bad you are, but Jesus. The fuel for our life is Jesus. The one who allows us to live a life, this life of love, is Jesus. Because apart from Jesus, it's impossible. Right? The kind of verses that make us nervous. Well, this guy's you get the rich young ruler, right? Well, he's following all the right rules. He's doing everything right. Now, of course, he wouldn't sell everything he had and follow Jesus. And they come to Jesus and they, Jesus, uh, if this guy who's following all the rules and doing everything right and it seems like he's really got his life together, if he's not going to follow you, what do I do? Because my life's not together. His life is together. My life's a mess. If he can't get in, how can I get in? And then he says this, it's impossible. Thanks. I have all these to-do books to make my life look so nice on the outside so that everybody will look and say, oh, you must have read that book about money, parenting, marriage, and this other thing because your life looks so awesome from the outside. Apart from Jesus, my life is a mess inside and outside. And if I'm really good, I can will some chains in my life and hold the constraints of my life to look really, really, really good on the outside. And that's not going to do it. Impossible. For man. For human. Anthropos. Anthropology. Human beings. It's impossible for you to chain yourself up 
into perfection, to look in such a way uh, that would get you in good graces with God. It's impossible. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. What's impossible with man is possible with God. Your chains won't do it. Your books won't do it. Your, your willing it won't do it. But that God himself in the person of Jesus Christ coming down from heaven to set you free will do it. That Jesus Christ will do it. This is why he came. This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why the incarnation is a big deal. And all of a sudden, by his empowering, because I'm living through him who died on the cross, rose from the dead, and has given me the Holy Spirit, because I live through him, that all of a sudden, I'm not loving my wife, so everyone will look at me and say, that's a good husband. I'm loving my wife because I understand at least a little bit, at least a speck of dust size amount that Jesus Christ gave himself for me, so now I can give myself for my wife. That Jesus Christ has been patient with me, so now I can be patient with my children. Uh, that Jesus Christ gave me all the money I have, so all of a sudden, if I just have a, a brief sense of understanding that everything I have belongs to him, all of a sudden I do different things with what he's given me, including the breath of my lungs. And so instead of constraints, it's freedom. And instead of trying to impress everyone, I'm living in the freedom and the grace and the mercy of what Jesus has done for me. And he is the source of that life. And in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. This high caliber love. And this is the love... Oh, pardon me. Red marker, where'd you go? And this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You are not a Christian because this is the logical choice. You are not a Christian because you've weighed it out against all other options, though that may be part of your experience. I know it's part of mine. You are a Christian because there was a baby born in and around Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, ish in the year of our Lord who came on the great rescue mission for the glory of God and that you would be propitiated fancy word for our sins propitiated say that 15 times fast but sometimes they translate it expiated because you can actually pronounce it except for it's the wrong word propitiated means to be atoned for and I used to always I hear so many people say at one mint, atonement. And I always would make fun of it because I'm like, that's stupid. That's a dumb way to remember it. Until I researched that John Wycliffe didn't know how to translate the dumb word and had to make one up. And he put at and one and mint together. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm the one who's criticizing everyone else and should learn to have some grace and humility for other people. Noted. Thank you, Wycliffe. To be made one at one with God. This word is the word that the Greek version of the Old Testament uses to talk about atoning sacrifices. That Jesus is and came to be the atoning sacrifice for my sins. Uh, it's what Martin Luther calls the great exchange. That he comes as the sacrifice in my place to bleed and die so that I don't have to. He comes and drinks the cup of wrath that I deserve so I don't have to. He dies on the cross in my place. It's not just stuff we say, Anchor Church. 
And it's not just stuff we say because oh, we're a gospel-centered church, so we've got to say this gospel-centered stuff. We say it because it's historically true. Because there's a, a, a massive, 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 awesome reality that because of Christmas, because a baby was born, lived a short life, and died on the cross, God himself, that you and I are made right and one with God. It's because of Jesus. You're propitiated. It has implications of being washed clean. Your sin's gone. Right? And it's not like God doesn't know what it is. Right? God looks at you in every wrong you've ever done, ever, and because the propitiation of Jesus says you're forgiven. There's stuff you might have that nobody else knows. Nobody else knows. But the sovereign ruler of the universe, and to those things he says, forgiven, <coughs> propitiated, made clean, made right. And that's love. And this is love. Because why? Not that we have loved God. It wasn't your idea. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, John loves to say things like that. Children, beloved, it's church he knows, it's church he loves. Beloved, implication of Christmas. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Man, if he's forgiven us that much, how much can I forgive other people? If he's been that kind to me, how kind can I be to others? If he's given me so much, how generous can I be with others? If for just a minute I apprehend this cosmic, beautiful, gospel reality that in Jesus I, who am empty-handed, have nothing, have everything in Christ. How generous can I be with the one who propitiated my sins with my coat? With the can of beans, right? And Jesus isn't joking by the way, when he says it's greater to give than to receive. I don't know who made it all to the, I had family stuff, I had to go halfway through the, 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 the uh, Christmas party on Friday, but how much fun, I think Joe was mentioning it with the kids, how much fun is to look around and be like, man, we got a bunch of socks here for people who don't have socks. Praise the Lord. We got toys for kids who don't get toys. We got stuff for people who don't have anything, and we just get to give it away. We give away freely because we have so much in Christ. Because we have so much in Christ. And this is true of us, right? Our church functions to do three things, right? To, to love God, to love Christians, the church, specifically people who are part of our church, and, and to love Seattle and the loss of Seattle, to share the love that we have in Christ, right? And so as a function, one of the big things there is that we love each other, right? A church can't just be its programs or whatever you want to call them, right? our discipleship and our Bible studies and our community groups. Community groups not really a community group until people start loving each other when it's not necessarily like Tuesday night, right? Well, it's my designated Christian love time from 6.30 to 8.30, and then I get home to watch some reality TV, right? <laughs> That's church, man. It's good, and it's wonderful, and it's beautiful, and it's hard in our busy, busy, busy Seattle lives to carve out time, and it's important to make that time, and it's important to do that thing, and that structure exists there because I know that there's people I'm going to see every week on Wednesday, and they're going to know where I was at last week, and they're going to know where I'm at next week, and we love and serve each other. But you know when it really like takes a hold? When I start actually hanging out with those people outside of designated someone told me at the church to hang out time, right? 
And the reality is that ministry, service, the love that we have for the church, like, it's not like there's two or three guys whose job is to love and serve the church. Look around, welcome to church. Your job here is to love and serve the church. We can only do much, as much love and service, we can only do as much ministry as we do, right? I'm a human being, right? I, I, I'm not awake 24 hours a day sending emails or whatever I'm supposed to do, right? Like, I sleep sometimes. Every once in a while, I get some sleep. Every once in a while, baby's teething right now. So every once in a while, I get some sleep. But it's good and important because it's not my job or Joe's job to do all the ministry work, all the loving one another of the church. We've got to love each other. We can only do as much as we're going to do. We can only be as, as much of a church that embodies this reality as you all are willing to love one another. But the thing is, they don't do it because I'm saying to do it. Now we all got to go love each other because Andrew said so on Sunday and it came in a sermon and so I should probably do that. Do it because the reality is, is that Jesus Christ entered into human history. You didn't love him first. He loved you first. And that's his grace and mercy to you. And because he's loved us so much, how much we ought to love one another. No one, beloved God, is love. So we also ought to love one another. Now hear this. Now hear this. No one has ever seen God. Talking specifically of God the Father here in this case. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides. That's kind of an old-timey word. Remains. Dwells. Lives with us. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Okay, so, you know, Michelangelo may have painted the guy with the beard that everyone, they think God the Father, they think this guy with the beard, wrong, no one has ever seen God. And yet, here in this case, it seems like when Christians love other Christians, serve other Christians, when you know somebody's had sickness and you bring them a meal, when when someone needs to get moved because everyone's favorite thing in the world is to move, so why not move everybody else, right? When you start doing things, uh, there is a tangibility to the love that the church has for each other that demonstrates and makes tangible God, makes tangible the love of God and the love that he has for us. Uh, this is why John, again, is going to say things like, if you can't love the guy that you can see, paraphrase, how is it that you can love God who you can't see? You see him, you have the world's stuff, you see a guy in need, and you don't give it to him. And he's a Christian brother. First John's all about Christians loving Christians. You have what he needs, you don't give it to him, even though you could. How in the world can you love God who you can't see if you can't love somebody you can see? Now here's an interesting word, perfected. Right? God remains, lives, abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. This is one of those really, really, really tricky words because you need about a paragraph to explain its significance. So I'll try and make it quick. It's the word telos, if you've ever heard of that one in the Greek. It's the completed. And I think really what John is after here, this word can mean, and again, kind of hard to get in one word, but that's okay. Per perfected's all right for this, right? It means to take something inferior, 
and supplant it with something superior. Whatever you had that was the life that you had living and loving, God supplants that with a new kind of love, with a superior kind of love, with a kind of love that flows from the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, this, this word here, this verb here, uh, really has, is one of these Greek words that has this fancy thing going on that means a past tense action with ongoing results. It's called the perfect tense if you want to know. You don't need to know that, by the way. That's not what's important. But you need to know that John's trying to convey this thing happened to you and is happening to you. That, that when you meet Jesus, you are changed and he is changing you. Because I changed. I started loving and caring for people in a new and different way when I met Jesus, period. And I can say for a fact, I think, with confidence, if you're a Christian, the same is probably true of you. In fact, is true of you, if I might be so bold. I'm only saying that because the text says that, not because I'm a mind reader or something, right? Now, here's the weird part, right? You can look at your life as a Christian, you know, I've changed. I'm different. I am more loving. I care for people more. I think about people more. I think about people's needs more. I, I think about where they're at with Jesus more. I'm up more late at night thinking, man, is that guy growing in the gospel? Uh, does that person need help? This happens more. And yet there's still times when I would rather flip on the TV and watch whatever's on reality TV and zone out and not care about anything because God's still transforming me. There are times when I'm still not patient. When I look at something and I'm like, that is not how someone who has apprehended the truth of the gospel behaves towards a goat or a dog. I have goats. Sorry. <laughs> Help. There you go. If you don't know me, I have goats. They live in my backyard. And it turns out when they try and escape, you lose your patience and your self-control. Well, not your self Yeah, self-control. They're fine. I have not hurt the goats in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. <laughs> However... They can make you a little cranky. <laughs> and you think to yourself, it's a goat. I'm redeemed and it's a goat. Yeah. Being redeemed. Am redeemed, being redeemed, being changed by God. Okay? By this, John's got all these wonderful tests. How do you know you're a Christian kind of tests. And if they ever start freaking out, please raise your hand and get help, right? Because sometimes they get really freaky, and you just need to read slower and read the whole book. Read the whole book before you start giving yourself any of the little tests he has, by the way, because they do actually explain themselves. But if you take, like, one out of context, you're like, oh, no. And if you don't know what I mean, read First John today when you go home. And you'll be like, uh, I have a, I'll get an email from you, and you'll say, help me. I'll say, it's okay. Uh, by this, and that is okay, by the way. You know, me and Joe are here to help, like, just as a total aside off outline, me and Joe and your community group leader and people doing discipleship stuff and everybody else in the church for that matter, like, if you're, if you hit something and you're like, I'm confused, I'm concerned, I don't know, don't suffer in silence. And also, the internet's not always the most helpful uh, theological library, I might also add. Uh, that's what the pastors are here for, that's what community group leaders are here for, that's what disciple makers are here for, that's what... That's what the church is here for. That's how we love each other. You're like, I don't get it. Ask somebody. And if they don't get it, ask somebody else. There, there are answers to these things. The internet is fine. It's just not a great theological library. Uh, back on outline. By this we know that we abide. It's our word again. Remain. Live. In him. And he in us. He's given us his spirit. 
We have an actual relationship with God because God the Father who sent His Son to die to save us from ourselves has given us full and unfettered access through God, the Holy Spirit. We know God. How do we understand the Bible, the Spirit's movement? How do, how do, we, how do we know God through the Spirit? How do we get pointed to Jesus? The Spirit saves us. And we have seen and testify The Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is who He said He is, came to save you and me from ourselves for His glory and for our joy? How do I know I'm a Christian? Believe in your heart and confess with your lips. It's not complicated. It's not you can score a certain percentage point on a biblical theology exam. It's a simple test of faith. If you, if you say that and you believe and you know who he is, then you have the Spirit. They go part and parcel. They go hand and hand together, hand and glove. Hand, they go together. Right. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us the Spirit. That's how, he abi- that's how the Father abides in us is through the Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. By the way, that's Trinitarian. We believe the Father, we believe the Son, we believe the Holy Spirit. We know them all. One and three. And it's wonderful. And we have seen and testified. Oh, I read that one. Fifteen. Here it is again. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us. What a mighty love God has for us in Jesus. So because of Christmas, ten things from the text. Ten things? Did I say ten? I meant ten. I wasn't going to say ten, because then you're like, oh, ten, that's a lot, and we got lunch to go to. But hey... Welcome to Anchor Church. Uh, number one, the love of God was made manifest in Jesus. God is not hiding the love He has for us. God came down to be with us. It is a drum that I cannot beat enough because you and I, me too, have an inclination and a tendency to quickly forget the radical reality of that. That God entered into human history to save you from yourself and there's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to keep it. It's His movement. God has manifested His love. You want to know who God is? You get to know Jesus. Read your Bible. God the Father said everything He wants to say to us in His Son. Where do I get that? Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It's right there. Not only that, you and I have a source. Number two, the source of our life is Jesus. The source of this life we have in God, from God the Father, by the Son, empowered by the Spirit, is one that the fuel for that fire is Jesus. The fuel for that life is Jesus. And this is the stuff that we are, these are logs on the fuel of the fire of our own worship of God to to, to continue to consider and remember who he is all the time. Everything we do with our life is to continuously draw us back to the truth. Why? That we would worship God better. Right? The more I understand, the more I consider what he's done for me on my behalf, the more I want to worship him. Number three, 
I do got to go quick. I do have to go quick. Number three, God is the origin of love. The love that is truest love, best love, the apex of love comes from God. And the origin of that God towards you and me is God to us, not us to God. And then when he pours that love out on us, God pours his love out on us and we reciprocate that love by turning our hearts and affections back to him and what he has done. And in an outflow of this love that he has for us and we have for him, we love other people. We love other Christians first and foremost. That is the concern of the Bible, that as Christians we love other Christians. But the amazing thing is, is it's not like we run out of love. right? It's not like you have enough, well, I really did my, I loved God today and I loved some Christian people today and that's about all the love I have today, but that that love is also to pour out on other people who don't know who he is. Best way you can love someone who doesn't know Jesus is introduce them to him. We're to love our neighbors. That, that actually means tangible, physical, felt needs. And the greatest love we have for people is telling them the truth about who he is. Uh, oh, man. Number four. We have propitiation through Jesus. I know I already said it. It's worth saying again. You've been made right with God. You've been set free. Your sins have been paid for in Jesus, by Jesus, for his glory and for your joy. Number five. Your life's a gift. And your life is a gift to respond in love. Right? It's right in the text. I'm getting all these right from this paragraph or two. It's a paragraph and a half if you want to get technical. Right? The source of our life is him because we live through him. But the way that we love is in response to the love that he has for us. It's going to be nine Number six is number one. Number seven. God's love is completed in us. It's not like his love is lacking. It's our love that's lacking. Right? He wasn't like looking around being like, I could really use some people to complete my love. Right? One person thought that was funny. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, always, forever, co-equal, co-existent, in eternity past. God in his infinite character expressing love within himself. God of the, the God of the Bible is the only God who didn't need to create to express love. Muslim God, one monotheistic God, needed to create to express love. Any other monotheistic version of God needed to create to express love, but God is in Trinity expressing love in eternity past which means he didn't create you because he was lacking in anything. He didn't have to make you. Right? That, I don't know about you, but that, that resets my day every day. It's the good reminder, who's God around here? Who needs who? God didn't need me. His love in and of himself is complete. It's that supplanting. It's the perfecting. It's the displacing of the old selfish, which is really a love of self, right? Apart from Jesus, we just love other people to love us, get what we want. That's displaced with the love that God has for us poured out in our hearts so we can love God and love others in freedom. Oh, man, number eight. Down verse uh, 13. God sent us his spirit. In the new covenant, 
This side of the cross, every Christian receives the Spirit. It's a promise that the Old Covenant and the Old Testament, it's all over the place. There's, there's this time coming when God will send His Spirit to all people. And in the Old Testament, you see it, it's very isolated. The first one's the guy who's building the tabernacle, gets filled with the Spirit so he can build the, uh, the tent where the Ark of the Covenant's going to be. And Saul has the Spirit for a while and leaves. And all this stuff that changes on this side of the New Covenant. We have a new relationship with God through Jesus that is different than the Old Covenant. And part of the New Covenant is we have new hearts and we have God's Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. Number nine, which is actually number eight. The testimony. How awesome is the reality just what he said here in 14. That the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. That's for you and that's for me. Savior of the world. Interesting, interesting little phrase. It's an epitaph to pagan gods at times. Meaning they would inscribe it on statues of pretend gods. But it's also a phrase that's used for uh, God in Deuteronomy 32 and 15. So not only is it something that's Old Testament that God is the Savior of the world, it's not foreign to the Old Testament. God is a Savior. It's all over the place. But it's also this massive displacement. You want to call a little bit of granite the Savior of the world? Try again. This is the Savior of the world. His name is Jesus. And that's our testimony. That's what we know. You know what Seattle needs? To be saved. By who? God. How? Through Jesus. Do you know what Cleveland needs? The same. Thank you. Good morning. Do you know what? Anywhere else, fill in the blank, right? But it's a testimony you and I get to carry. You get to take this wherever you go. It's yours. Give it away. Uh, finally, Oh, man. Through Jesus, we get to know the love that God the Father has for us. If you ever doubt that you're loved, look at the cross. If you ever have a doubt for who you are in Christ, look to what God the Father did in sending His Son to save you from yourself. And remember, it's not because you're a good Parcheesi player. So what does this do? Man, my hope for us, as we head into Christmas, this is we worship, and we worship well. These are logs on the fire for our heart and affection for the God of the universe. Uh, for us, man, it's a good time. I know it's New Year's, so we're headed towards New Year's. We think, what are my resolutions going to be? Uh, better than making some resolution of your goal to go fishing 15 times next year and catch a big fish or whatever that thing might be. It's a great time to actually do a little self-reflection. Is this truth of God's love for me changing me? Is it transforming me? Is it making me more loving? Is it making me more kind? Is it? I don't know, you talk to him about it. Right? And then for us, 
we don't just say, let's do community, let's love each other, let's take care of each other, let's, let's stack some chairs, let's take down some curtains, or let's do a potluck so that the world will look in and say, man, those guys are awesome potluckers. We actually have an opportunity to, to, to taste and see the tangibility of the love that God has for us as we serve each other. And we need to make sure we don't disconnect the things that we do from that. I'm going to help somebody move because I'm a Christian. We help people move. No, I'm going to help somebody move because God died on a cross. Jesus died on a cross to save me from myself. And moving is no big deal. I'm going to put out some chairs because, man, somebody's got to put out the chairs. Yeah, somebody does have to put out the chairs so someone can sit in that seat so that when Joe comes out and does announcements, he can remind everybody that Jesus saves sinners. And we say, heck yeah. I'm sitting in this chair that somebody put out for me because Jesus saves sinners. Heck yeah. Like me, he saves sinners. I'm saved because of him, and I got to sit in a chair, and I got to hear that truth. And I need my little girl asked me the grace question. Why do we get together every Sunday? Sweetheart, because I need to hear that every Sunday. I need to hear it every day. And Sunday's at least one of the punctuated points in the week where I come together with the people of God. Now I have an opportunity to love other people and be loved by other people because we're all people in need. I don't know if you know that. You're a person in need. You need to be loved and served and pointed to Jesus by other Christians. And you're a person who God is uniquely gifted to love and serve some other Christian here today. I don't know why he brought you here today, who you're going to serve or who's going to serve you or what's going to happen or what truth you need to hear. I just know he's the sovereign king of the universe and I know how the church operates because I have a high view of what the church is. Uh, oh, finally, if you don't know who Jesus is, this is who Jesus is. If you don't know God, God sent his son to save you from yourself and to know him, and there's nothing you can do to earn it. We, as the church, as the people of God, plead with you. Know this love, the real love of God through Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for today, for your grace and for your mercy and for sending your Son to save us from ourselves. Jesus, we thank you. We worship you. You are our God and we love you. Holy Spirit, please move and help us to apprehend the truth. To, to buy it and not sell it. To give everything we have to get it and to acquire it and to know it and to live it. Lord, I pray for us this Christmas that we would be known as the most happy, jovial, fun-loving people because we're so free and we're so forgiven and that, Lord, you would just help us to do this together, to love each other well and, Lord, to love this city well. We love you, Jesus. Pray these things in your name. Jesus Christ, amen.